Hello, and welcome to A History of Japan. Season 5, Episode 14, New Emperor, Old Rivalries. Emperor Uda retired at the age of 31. His son, Emperor Daigo, took the throne at age 13. You might expect that a political battle over the office of Kampaku or even Sesho is forthcoming, but it seems that even in his adolescence, Emperor Daigo was fully prepared to serve as Tenno. Both regent offices would remain vacant for the duration of his considerable reign, which lasted longer than even that of Emperor Kammu. One of his first objectives appears to have been finding a way to preserve the balance between the leaders of two rival factions at court, Fujiwara Tokihira and Sugawara Michizane. Emperor Uda had promoted Tokihira in rank and office, just enough to prevent what would have been a disastrous civil war. Daigo Tenno needed to shore up support early in his reign, however, and so he appointed Tokihira as Dainagon, or vice-chancellor. Sugawara Michizane was appointed as Gon Dainagon, a special appointment that essentially translates to provisional vice-chancellor. The two men were expected to share the responsibilities and obligations of the office. I can almost see the two of them rolling their eyes as the teenaged Uda Tenno wagged his finger at them while saying something like, I expect you two to play nice. Spoiler alert, they didn't play nice. Michizane frequently attended retired Emperor Uda, who advised him to treat Tokihira as a pupil and correct his behavior when it was less than courteous. Michizane was twice Tokihira's age at this point, so the impulse to correct the young man when he drank sake to excess or was overly rude to a fellow kuge probably didn't need too much encouragement. Surprisingly, Tokihira did not seem to enjoy being constantly corrected in his personal conduct and behavior, and Michizane's advice only served to drive the wedge between them even deeper. Emperor Daigo appears to have noticed the rift, and he soon did something about it. Regardless of how much he may have enjoyed Sugawara Michizane as a scholar and loyal kuge, the Fujiwara clan was undeniably more powerful, and was unlikely to be satisfied with their clan chief being ranked equal to, or worse, below the emperor's pet scholar. Thus, in 899, Fujiwara Tokihira was elevated to the office of Sadaijin, Minister of the Left, while Sugawara Michizane was promoted to Udaijin, Minister of the Right. The left side of the Ritsuryo titles were ranked slightly above those on the right, so no honor was lost to the Fujiwara in this appointment. Once more, the emperor urged the men to find common ground and act as partners in governance, not rivals. Once more, this advice went unheeded. More and more often, Sugawara Michizane visited retired Emperor Uda. What happened next is somewhat murky because the direct accounts of the incident were later destroyed and purged from the imperial record. It is believed that Fujiwara Tokihira used Michizane's friendship with the retired emperor 
to convince reigning Emperor Daigo that something would need to be done about Sugawara Michizane. Political interference from a retired sovereign was nothing new. You may recall how Emperor Saga continued draining the treasury on lavish retirement palaces, while Emperor Junna desperately tried to rein in expenses, and Emperor Daigo certainly seemed determined to be the primary hand guiding the course of state. Some of Michizane's allies in court by this point had died, or been assigned to positions that did not contain much political clout. Another Kuge scholar serving at court was Miyoshi Kiyoyuki, whose relationship to Michizane appears to have been driven primarily by rivalry. Years before, Kiyoyuki had failed the government service exam, which was administered at the time, by Sugawara Michizane. He later passed the exam and was appointed to many minor offices, but he made a name for himself in 887 during the Akko incident, refuting Tachibana Hiromi's claim that the office of Akko was essentially the same as Kampaku. Siding with the Fujiwara clan at that point was probably very beneficial to his career. After serving in a variety of lower provincial posts, he returned to Heian-kyo in 897 and was serving in the Bureau of Justice in 900 when the tension between Fujiwara Tokihira and Sugawara Michizane was reaching a fever pitch. In October of that year, he penned a letter to his longtime rival Michizane, advising him to resign from government work. Michizane was 55 at the time, which, considering the average lifespans even among his fellow Kuge, was very fortunate. It is possible that Miyoshi Kiyoyuki intended this letter as a friendly gesture, that he did not want to see Michizane suffer a terrible fate in spite of any mutual enmity they may have shared. Whatever his intentions, Sugawara Michizane ignored the missive and continued trying to push for further reforms that would restore the Ritsuryo system, continuing the work of retired Emperor Uda and helping convince reigning Emperor Daigo that his father was indeed interfering where he wasn't wanted. It is believed that Fujiwara Tokihira did not have much difficulty convincing the necessary officeholder to back his upcoming play against Sugawara Michizane. I must stress again that because of the later intentional destruction of direct accounts of this incident, we must rely on reconstructive logic until hopefully the archaeologists eventually uncover a hidden diary or a stash of legal scrolls that escaped the flames. It seems likely that Michizane may have been trying to resurrect the relatively defunct Handen Shujo equal fields allotment system, and may have had other measures in mind for curtailing the growing powers of private landowners. Because many of the courtiers were also private landowners, they would have an interest in obstructing Michizane's work at the very least, and taking more drastic measures against him would not have been considered out of bounds. In 901, after he had put all the pieces in their necessary places, Fujiwara Tokihira struck. He accused Sugawara Michizane of secretly plotting to overthrow the current emperor and put the Tenno's younger brother, Prince Tokiyo, on the throne in his stead. The court was scandalized, and after a brief trial, it was agreed that Michizane should be banished from the capital and assigned to be the governor of Dazaifu.
retired Emperor Uda, got wind of the incident and tried to intercede, presenting himself before the gates of the imperial palace and demanding entry. However, his own rule that he had created when retired Emperor Yose was making trouble now prevented him from crossing the threshold and addressing the Daijo Daikon directly. Retired emperors were not allowed in the palace except by special permission, which the Daijo Tenno did not have. Fujiwara Tokihira seems especially vindictive in the surviving accounts, wanting to banish, demote, or otherwise punish nearly everyone who was connected to Sugawara Michizane in any way. His old rival Miyoshi Kiyoyuki spoke up at this point, warning Tokihira that such a wide-ranging purge would drain the court of far too many officials to be seriously considered. Michizane's grandfather had provided scholarly training to many of the kuge who were currently serving because of his time running the Daigaku. I have to assume that some of those kuge who were trained by Sugawara Kiyokimi were members of Tokihira's own Fujiwara clan. Whatever the case, Tokihira contented himself with punishing only Sugawara Michizane's family, exiling them from the capital along with him. As he and his family prepared to depart from Heian-kyo, Michizane composed the following poem about his plum blossom tree. When the east wind blows, flourish in full bloom, you plum blossoms. Even though you lose your master, don't be oblivious to spring. This is a famous poem from Japanese history, and it captures Michizane's sadness as he is sent far from his home. In what might seem like an ironic twist, Fujiwara Tokihira was also trying to enact land use reforms which would curtail the power of private landowners and enrich the throne in the process. While it is always tempting to blame incidents like Michizane's on politics alone, the driving forces at court were often strong personalities rather than ideology. That is not to say that the kuge who helped oust Michizane did not want land reform, only that insofar as it factored in their decisions, they probably calculated that Fujiwara Tokihira's plan would be more in keeping with their interests than a relatively landless scholar like Michizane. In 903, Sugawara Michizane died on Kyushu, still serving as governor of Dazaifu. He was 58 years old, and while a precise accounting of his accusations and the evidence against him are still forthcoming, much of his own writing survived to the present day, giving us something of a window into the man himself. I will now read a few more of his poems. The first selection features a willow tree and nature's relationship to time. In a roadside field stands a leafless willow tree. Spring will come, and then the wonders of long ago will all return. Written shortly after he was sent into exile, this following poem rings of despair and the inevitability of fate. From the heaven's falling rain, no one escapes. So, blameless, I wear my soaking clothes with no way to dry them. 
With Sugawara Michizane safely out of his way, Fujiwara Tokihira began pursuing his preferred version of land reform. The first edict in this reform was aimed directly at private estates and prohibited further expansion thereof. The Fujiwara clan managed many such private estates, so it's tempting to think that this reform would hurt them as much as the other growing regional powers they were targeting. However, the Fujiwara estates were much larger than any single rival, and at this point, their political power was firmly tied to that of the state. Tokihira also began making regular visits to retired Emperor Uda in an amicable gesture of friendship. The Daijo Tenno probably still had a few misgivings about the treatment of his favorite scholar, but relations between himself and Tokihira seem to have improved during this time. Tokihira completed a national history called Nihon Sandai Jitsuroku, which is the final volume in the six national histories of Japan. Sugawara Michizane had previously contributed to this work as well, which detailed the reigns of Emperor Sewa, Emperor Yose, and Emperor Koko. Disasters continued to strike after Sugawara Michizane's death. A member of the Fujiwara clan being killed by lightning in 905 was probably the inciting incident that led to the construction of a shrine around Michizane's grave at Dazaifu. For several decades, every flood, famine, epidemic, and drought would be blamed upon the late scholar and the usual rituals performed to conciliate his vengeful spirit. In 909, at age 39, Fujiwara Tokihira died. It is possible that his death was the result of an alcohol-related illness, he was a famously heavy drinker, but some courtiers had a bad feeling about his untimely demise. Specifically, they worried that the ghost of Michizane may be seeking revenge. Next time, we'll discuss the later years of Emperor Daigo's reign, Fujiwara Tokihira's successor, and the vengeance of Sugawara Michizane's restless, malicious spirit. Until then, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at A History of Japan. Visit the online store, ahistoryofjapan.threadless.com, and find us on the web, ahistoryofjapan.com. <laughs>